0: Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip My Film Podcast. Uh, as always, the, the, one of the best privileges that I have is to have somebody take over one of the episodes. It actually is less work for me, quite frankly. So it's, it's a really cool thing. But as we started this peak community, we're finding incredible podcasters who are running their own amazing experiential podcasts. So Samir, who is one of the, the members of the peak community, has his own podcast that he started. It's called the Experience Business Podcast. So I invited him to join me so I can introduce you uh, to him and also for him to actually share what this podcast is about and what kind of people he's going to interview for you. So Samir, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Sangram. Thank you so much. You know, I'm highly obliged and to be very frank, it's my
0: pleasure and wonderful to be part of this peak community. That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about your podcast that you have been running and what type of people are you interviewing on that for our community?
1: Hey, you know, this is very interesting because I personally believe that every company should be the experience company because uh, people don't buy product. They don't buy services. They only buy the experiences. So the, my podcast is about the experience business podcast, meaning Every business should focus on creating the experience. And in this podcast, I normally interview people and sometimes also solo where I talk about what are the strategies, what are the viewpoint of other leaders like CXOs, CMOs, CTOs to make their business an experienced
0: business. That is fantastic, man. So let's go and like deep dive into it because Samir, you have above, I think about 10 episodes that you have graciously agreed to have it shared on the flip takeover tuesday and thursday episodes so samir again thank you for doing that information about you and your podcast is going to be in the show notes let's go thank you
1: it is becoming very much uh, difficult for the marketers these days to you know reach out to their customers in a more timely relevant way so that they can produce the content and drive their messaging to their to their customers. Content is actually something which is actually the pillar of any kind of uh, conversation, communication by reaching out to not only your customers, rather uh, even to your employees. In spite of knowing all of this, right, a lot of brands struggle a lot you know, in producing content. So in this segment, we have specifically chosen this particular topic, which is called Content Marketing Strategy, where we have invited uh, Yagnesh Ganesh. Thank you so much, uh, Samir. It's been a pleasure joining you today. Thank you so much you know, for joining us for the session. So guys, he is actually a, a marketing manager in Reveal Marketing. He's a top 100 global marketing influencer. He is a content marketing specialist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and uh, you know his podcast ABM Conversations, uh, which covers the topics around the problems, what the B2B enterprises face while converting their customers to the account-based marketing and it is uh, very much popular and widely catching up
2: thank you thank you so much for the kind words <laughs> yeah.
1: why it is that so many companies find it difficult uh, in understanding the kind of content they need to actually publish to actually address the problem what the customers actually face
2: Right. So when it comes to content marketing, uh, you know it's it's very important to know uh, why you're writing content and mm. uh, what part of the funnel are you actually contributing to and what is the purpose of the content, right? Mm. So, uh, for example, when you look at the funnel per se, you have uh, top of the funnel, mid funnel and bottom funnel. So top of the funnel purpose is more to uh, generate leads or improve awareness about your product, uh, so mm. on and so forth. Whereas uh, mid funnel is all about uh, helping uh, somebody who's already become a prospect and considering what you're doing, and mm. then you're helping them gain confidence by saying that this is how I'm different from the competitor. Uh, this is what I do. This is the configuration. This is how I, I make things easy for you. Mm. And then the bottommost funnel where you're talking about things around uh, how we are priced and uh, you know how we can fit fit into your existing ecosystem, and um, you know after also talking about certain aspects like uh, uh, see how can I make the closure happen faster? How can I mm. uh, help you close the deal? things around that. And uh, more importantly, uh, I think it's also about the narrative, the belief system. Uh, I've, I've always believed that uh, marketing as a whole is mm. the b- business of building trust and that building is. relationships, mm. right? So if through your content, if you're going to sound salesy all the time, it's, it's more like, you know, going on LinkedIn, uh, mm. giving your connection request. And the moment you connect, if you're going to receive a big sales pitch saying that this is what my company does, it, it's mm. going to put off a lot of people. You have that to, uh, at the end of the day, you have to build trust. and. Um, this is something that I also believe, right? When there is a content team or when there are a set of marketing people in your company, yeah. um, you have to make them the face of your company. You have to give them uh, the, uh, you know, the knowledge, the the backup support to make them or even the guidelines to make them uh, the face of your company where, where they start, um, uh, they start putting through the content. They start. Uh, uh, pushing this message and talking with conviction to their context, because at the end of the day, nobody wants to follow a company. Everybody mm. wants to connect with other people, and then uh, uh, the trust is between two different people. So, if more people can believe me, more people can believe you. Then naturally, the product that we are confidently vouching about um, also comes into play. Just the way you know you vouch for me today, and then your audience uh, comes up uh, to listen to me. This is basically what is content marketing also.
1: Mm. You spoke about the funnel, right? Top of the funnel, mid of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. Let's say if in case the, for the people, right, where the sales cycle is longer and also the cost of the item or the services, right, mm-hmm. you know, actually the costly. How do you leverage the content to build a relationship? I am in fact a great fan of Sangaram Vajre and his uh, team framework. He made a very important point about, about the vanity metrics, which people in the B2B segment, right, are focusing on. And you were saying that we should stop thinking from the point of view of leads Then when we are actually creating a content, right? Then uh, somewhere we need to measure what is going to be the actual measurement strategy so that we can attribute the real performance of, of your effort.
2: Right. I think that's a great question, right? So when you look at uh, measuring from a broad sense, um, mm. in fact, uh, we have to understand that uh, different measurements means different things uh, to people within the company itself. Um, so, uh, like say for example, I'm sending out uh, a bunch of emails, let's say yeah. I'm sending out thousand emails per day. And, uh, if the email marketing team or the email marketing guy, yeah. if the metric that he's looking at is, uh, how many, what is the open rate of my email? Like, uh, mm-hmm. which means like out of thousand, how many percentage of people have opened the email or how many people have uh, clicked through. And if he's okay. going to say that I have a 5% click through and he's going to celebrate about it. Um, mm-hmm. actually that means nothing to your sales guy right so okay. um uh, the point is what happens out of that have they really signed up for the product and mm-hmm. uh, um, so the, the point of discussion within the company that is the team framework that you spoke about the alignment between sales and marketing uh, mm-hmm. is not about uh, uh, is not about what each of us measure in silos but mm-hmm. uh, we have a common set of metrics to actually go after um mm-hmm. say, say that's something that i've also tried to cover in revenue marketing book um an mm-hmm. uh, uh, example that i can give you is uh, if somebody is going to but download an ebook from my website. Right? Okay. The moment somebody downloads an ebook, and if I'm going to consider that person as a prospect for your product and yes. then send that lead to the sales team, then it's actually going to backfire. Because uh, when the sales guy reaches out and starts this conversation, um, then he's going to realize that this person actually gave their credentials only to download the ebook and they were not interested in the product. So the qualification criteria is really messed up there. And mm-hmm. if there are like 10 leads or 20 leads coming in like that from the marketing team over a period of time, the sales team is going to lose trust over whatever marketing gives it. Um, so uh, to fix that, um, the key is to start with aligning on what we're actually contributing to. Um, mm-hmm. For all you know, uh, you know, if we can tweak our set up processes and uh, uh, the content or even the nurture factor, right? So when somebody downloads, mm-hmm. at what stage do I pass over the leads to the sales team? That's the number one question. If we uh, both align that, our ultimate goal is actually to convert a customer, uh, uh, convert uh, some uh, prospect into a customer, or Mm. convert a free customer into a paid customer, then we set up this entire journey and think about where we align, what are the set of things to do. Mm. Now, uh, going back to choosing the uh, kind of uh, companies that I go after, I think it critically starts with how much you understand your product right, so uh, I should know uh, who is this product for, then um, shouting from rooftops that this is for everyone, if we can meaningfully reach out to a set of people whom I really think are the users of the product. so I would broadly say, uh, you know divide your um, industries like first find out which industry you should go after uh, and uh, who is going to be the actual users of the product and uh, what are the kind of titles, and then figure out that in that company. Um, what are the different kinds of users that you should go after? In sense, like one, um, it could be the set of people that use your product, and but they might not be actual buyers or so they might not be actual people who can spend on the product, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in a typical software scenario, it could be uh, the users, could be uh, people who are marketers, whereas the, uh, the sponsorship or the people who pay uh, uh, typically can come from the financial team or it comes from the VP or the director of marketing or whoever. So mm-hmm. that's that's one. So know who your uh, users are, know who your uh, influencers are, and know who your decision makers are. And uh, once you have that clearly mapped out, you, know, you um, we start creating content focused on each of these persona. So uh, to the typical user, we start talking about how I solve your problem, right? Mm. So on a on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, it's not yet another tool that you have to log into. But um, this is how this is your problem, and this is how I fit into your ecosystem. Mm-hmm. This is how I solve your problem. And um, then to the influencer, you talk about, uh, you don't have to largely meddle with your uh, IT infrastructure. Uh, You can just, uh, uh, you know, put this up and on top of your existing tools, this can leverage A, B, and C and give you these results. So he's able to take it further. And then um, at the top, when you're going to the decision makers, you're going to talk about things like ROI. Uh, Mm. You're going to talk about things like TCO, total cost ownership right? So where you can talk about how, uh, when you use my product, how much cost do you save? What is the return that you get? Things like that. So I think we need to, um, clearly map the kind of messages to each people. Otherwise, you know, we cannot be everything to everybody. You have to talk specific things to a specific set of people mm. so that your conversation is meaningful. Uh, one, this is all on the account side, much beyond this, right? So at the top of the funnel, there's also something much more important, right? You need to, uh, go on and, uh, convince or put in a message that people start believing in your product, people start believing in you as a thought leader. Uh, think of somebody like HubSpot, right? Mm. So the moment you think of inbound marketing, you're thinking yeah. HubSpot, right? So it, it's because they have focus, I mean, they never went on and said that, hey, uh, download our marketing automation software. That was not the message. They were actually uh, leading the um, uh, industry by saying that, hey, this is what uh, marketing should be. This is how the inbound leads should be. This this is how you garner attention. This is how you nurture. They like laid out the entire uh, sequence of things. So once that happened, you started believing in, uh, you started testing out their ideas, you started believing and started working out. And um, once you gain that belief, you also look into what the company offers, but uh, it all comes from a standpoint of how much time do you have, right? So Mm -hmm. right now in a a SaaS industry, uh, everybody is going after uh, quick fixes and quick money and uh, Uh, you know, the time for gratitude is so less. You have to uh, just come in. Instant gratification is the need of the day. So you have to play different things. On one side, you look at uh, what are the kind of things that can give me quick wins. At the uh, other side, you have to look at how do I build long-term relationships and how do I drive the organic side of things? And Mm -hmm. eventually, when you started your company and started marketing and you're running this for about three years, four years, you have to reach a point where uh, the balance of organic is increasing and the balance of inorganic is decreasing. So once uh, that's where actually your content comes into play. Content is not going to give you results from day one. But Mm. if you have clear ideas on where you're going, um, it has long-term benefits and it will keep you on top uh, vis-a-vis the PPCs of the world or the CPCs of the world. Mm.
1: According to you, right, if somebody is creating a content, not just a written piece of content, any kind of content, which area they should prioritize first? i mean is this should be the more from the top of the funnel side or from the uh, bottom which is giving the immediate transactions accordingly right.
2: so so uh, you know the most beautiful thing about marketing or marketers is that uh, for every question um, mm. th- there is a one word reply which is depends right yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, but, but then uh, you know for your first
1: question um, but maybe may, 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 when you say it depends, right? Okay, then people will have to consult.
2: Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not right, going so, to give you all the answers, right? <laughs> no, not really. It, it's also about, uh, you yeah. know, individual situations of people and what you want mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it really depends because, you know, the first question, uh, yeah. uh, answering that first, um, it's, it's important to do both, uh, right? Yeah. So it's, and uh, regardless of how much time you have or not, um that's it's it's about how much uh, uh, what is the balance that you go for right so if you have very little <laughs> time um, you um, uh, put in more money on uh, the cpc's or the targeted marketings and also your uh, adverts your uh, banner ads or uh, you know uh, putting on ads in the right forums uh, maybe facebook linkedin whatever or using your sales navigators of the world or uh, buying in uh, contacts from your zoom info and then trying to uh, target these people, so on and so forth. Uh, but um, at the end of the day, you need to understand that uh, on one side, your content efforts that that go, which create inbound uh, leads, uh, yeah. it's going to be more of uh, natural progression. It's very organic, and over a period of time, you realize who are going to be your actual customers. So yeah. Let me give you a quick story. You know, This is something that happened um, very recently uh, in our company. Um, in fact, in Jan, we uh, launched a product, which was a content recommendation tool called mulch and uh, the beauty about this was that when we started running this uh, campaigns um, we knew that it's a content recommendation tool and the entire mm-hmm. messaging was focused on uh, the the content marketing audience that is content marketers per se and we said um, you know you have this widget on your website and you'll be able to know uh, uh, the consumption pattern of your users how much uh, time they are consuming which kind of users are consuming what type of content and you can go back and give this information to your content marketers and they will know what kind of content to produce something on those lines okay. so once that happens um, you know we when we actually um, got few hundred plus registrations in the first few weeks and we started realizing uh, what kind of people are actually signing up hmm. then we realized that uh, you know the dependency was not just on content marketers but the people who insert this widget on the website were these webmasters and uh, you know typical uh, people who handle websites, it mm. could be web developers or webmasters or whoever. Uh, so now, since this is happening this way, we have to change our entire messaging, entire conversation, and talk uh, the language of these people. Now mm. we have to talk about things like, hey, uh, when you use this tool, uh, then um, it's going to be more about uh, increasing the time on page, reducing the bounce rate, mm. and uh, conver- uh, improving conversion on page, and things like that. So um, the whole message and the whole strategy changes. Now the reason I told you this story is that uh, when you go inbound and try to put in information and drive traffic, you start realizing that who actually your customers are, who actually align to your product more. Whereas in outbound, you go with an assumption, you go out with some sort of a um, idea as to this: these are the persona that I'm going after. This is what I'm going to be fit. It's it's a trial and error. Um, yeah, it's it's based on what you have mapped out uh, but that's more about conviction it's not market facts so um, I think when these two go parallel, you can realize what is working what is not and then even your outbound your uh, account based marketing strategy can be tweaked uh, mm. based on this understanding you now clearly know uh, what is working what is converting and all of that mm. and uh, uh, the second question in terms of whether we should focus on uh, top of the funnel or mid funnel um, uh, that. Also depends on the maturity of your company, right? Mm. Um, so if your product is brand new, um, you have to uh, look at more uh, top of the funnel stuff right now because you know more and more people need to be aware of such a product. Um, and then even before top of the funnel, there is uh, you know, the thought leadership aspect as well, right? So people need to believe in this idea first. Like right? so, for example, so, uh, if can you, I can
1: I can I con- con- yeah, contest yeah, yeah, here? Yeah. I'm so sorry for that. So when you say, right, uh, people should focus on top of the funnel, right? Now, top of the funnel is purely awareness stage, right? We all know yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. The, there could be no limitations for a company who is just starting up, right? Of uh, Not all the companies are actually blessed with uh, having more funds where they can uh, focus more. But in every segment, don't you think that you will still have kind of customers would be ready to pay and they would be researching about a particular problem so, why you believe that you know these kind of companies should not focus on the bottom of the funnel first? Because no, they am talking convert, about
2: right? right, right. I'm talking about the stages. Uh, I'm not saying the company should focus only on top of the funnel. I'm saying uh, depending on the stages, right? When they're starting out, the first thing that you need is you need customers, right? So okay. that's the fundamental need of any uh, company. So to need customers, you need to attract prospects or attract visitors, and mm-hmm. then they have to uh, you know understand what you offer, and mm-hmm. then they have to sign up. And thereafter, the conversion pattern or the nurturing pattern goes on. But hmm. to, for starters, you know, when you're just um, putting out your product, uh, let's say you could have, uh, you could look at several strategies on this, right? One, yeah. it could be, uh, uh, you can look at content creation and you can put uh, talk, you know, thought leadership and why this product or not just the product, you can even talk about the holistic idea. Let's say, hmm. for example, if you're talking about something like a performance management, right? So in performance management as, an, as a broad industry, you have several frameworks um, for example you have something like a balanced scorecard then you have something like okrs then you have something like a grc which is governance risk and compliance so mm-hmm. you have if you can go about uh, thought leadership in each of these areas and then what you do is you finally uh, begin to attract people who are strategically mature who are following mm-hmm. one of these frameworks so that they start fitting into your product now mm-hmm. uh, as a uh, when you're just starting out right you have to be uh, making sure that you're looking at the low hanging fruits first because mm-hmm. uh, sustainability of your company is at stake, right? If uh, the first thing for the first two years or three years is that uh, the major focus is how do you make sure that I'm getting enough revenue, I'm getting enough traction so that I can keep my company afloat. So uh, you should focus on, um, that's why I said uh, on one side, you look at top of the funnel, create content and make sure the people come in. On the other side, you look at uh, say platforms like Product Hunt, where uh, you put out your version of the product and ask people to try it. So it's a, it's a good startup founder community that you have around the world. And yeah. uh, it generally, uh, people try out your product and then uh, uh, you, you need to also have a support system in the back end to see how these fits in. And uh, it, it's a good test on phase for you to see what's actually happening. Yeah. And then in the later half, you can start looking at, uh, okay, why are these people uh, who have signed up aren't using the free products, but why are they not becoming paid customers? so right. what's the issue there uh, uh, then you maybe uh, you realize that it's all about the packaging right so everything that they need is already covered in uh, free but they do uh, what they see in the next packages might be something that is extra which they don't need now it hmm. could be that or you could go about a totally different strategy like you know think of a company like intercom right hmm. so what they did is uh, they partnered with all these uh, all these uh, startup communities around the world like y combinator um, and things like that. Uh, and what happened is they um, gave out their products for free for all these Y Combinator companies. Mm-hmm. So um, by default, these companies were going to be successful because Y Combinator's vetting is very good. They make sure that uh, you know every company that qualifies and gets funded there are actually good companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they give uh, the product for free for all these people up to about twenty users or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, these companies end up growing beyond that in a span of one year. And uh, uh, so in short, what's happening is you are uh, instead of you uh, betting so much money on marketing, mm. you are identifying a group and you're giving the product for free instead of your marketing budget. And from next year, you're going to start getting money. So it's all about how do you package your messaging, what kind of story you say, and um, to which segment, what kind of stuff you say. So, it's, okay. uh, so I, in a starting level, I don't think you have to worry too much about what segment. Uh, mm. Sometimes, you know, you might have to wear different hats. So, uh, in majority of the companies that I've worked so far, um, in most of the cases, I've been the single marketer in the company. Uh, Like say, in certain places, I've been the director of marketing. But then, um, that doesn't mean that I sit on top and do nothing. uh, In those companies, it has been situations like uh, they did not even have a name board. uh, You know, from there to setting up the website, to writing content, to doing demos, uh, Mm. to sitting on sales calls, pretty much everything. Right. So you have to do different things and see what is working out. and keep adapting. So it's not like a single strategy. It's not going to be linear at all. The customer Mm -hmm. is going to go on your uh, uh, Facebook page. From there, come on to your website. From there, go on to your uh, support chat and all of that. So keep switching. So how do you uh, balance yourself in an omni-channel surface today Mm -hmm. is what is going to make all of the difference.
1: Okay. Got it, got it. According to you, let's say if somebody start into a content marketing uh, journey, how they should identify that what form of content they should choose. So according to you, right, what is the suggestion that the people should uh, explore while starting their content marketing journey and choosing actually the kind of content they should create?
2: Right, so um, it's going to be purely about, I would say it's important to try out all three formats to start yeah. with, like, you know, start with uh, Uh, written as well as video as well as audio um, and uh, also images but images and uh, written I'll put it together in one flow but the reason I say this is uh, you also have to understand who your audience is and uh, where they belong so uh, like say for example if you are a b2c product and uh, your audience is like under 20 um, and uh, if you see that these are the kind of people who are going to spend more time on tiktok you, uh, it's it's better if you make uh, videos there and uh, see if that's attracting, or uh, even spend time on Insta uh, and Correct. see if that that works. So in general, uh, the way I go about thinking is I don't think there are certain platforms specific for B2B or mm. certain for B2C. Uh, it's uh, at the end of the day, uh, you have to know where your audience is, uh, mm. you know, uh, and where they actually make decisions. For me, uh, for instance, you know, uh, personally, um, what has really worked is. The conversations for me has worked more on LinkedIn than on emails, for example, mm. right? <clears throat> so because um, I, I uh, tend to uh, uh, write a lot of content or do video content in the form of coffee conversations. I also share my podcast. I, but um, in a way, all of these work together and they create some sort of a compounding effect. Mm. So um, for instance, say for if you did not have a lot of time to read through my content, but mm. say um, you're you're working out in the gym in the morning or you're taking a walk, Uh, in your apartment, uh, you might just hop on your headphones and listen to the podcast, right? So um, any of these things can actually happen, but uh, you need to uh, test all three and figure out what is working the best. Um, So um, one of the things that you also have to understand is if there is a way to map uh, all of this to an outcome. So that is the most important thing in choosing your uh, kind of content or the format of content, uh, how you can measure uh, and many times, you know, the fun thing about marketing is not everything is measurable. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that it's not working as well. Uh, I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, say if somebody is uh, doing a massive event or, or if there is a trade show in which you're putting up a booth, right? So the first question to ask is uh, the reason why people come to an actual uh, trade show is to network with other people or yeah. probably to uh, you know uh, listen to one of the keynote speakers whom they actually want to follow things like yeah. that yeah. Uh, and the the core um, the core experience or the core thing why they come to a trade show is not to visit your booth so uh, if you're going to spend more on that um, that's that's waste of money instead if you just buy a ticket to uh, get into the hall and then yeah. connect with people and start a conversation uh, that makes more sense and yeah. at the end of the day i would say that um, the first thing to do is when you are joining a new company or when you have a new product, the first thing to do is probably go and sit with you know, 10, 15 customers of uh, that product and listen to why they have bought the product, where mm-hmm. they got to know the product from, and um, what was the thought process and uh, who all did they consider and after after which they uh, zeroed in on your product. So things like that. you know, uh, Try to understand them in their setting. And once you know that, you will also get to know the uh, where these people actually spend their time on, and uh, what kind of format they consume, and from where they convert it. So once you know that, you you um, uh, you can zero in on what kind of content strategy to go after. And um, once you do that, another thing to remember is um, you know not try to don't try to sell it from uh, sell the product from day one. Uh, try to build the confidence, have a strategy. Um, and the, one of the key issues with content today is that content in different parts are very siloed right mm. So somebody reads a blog uh, that's it they're after nothing what do I do I mean what's the what's the use of it so it, it's not just you know from a blog I don't have to uh, drive a download all the time but what happens after a blog how do I uh, take how do I connect two different pieces of content right so after consuming this first piece how do I take a prospect through a journey of Say after consuming a blog, maybe he should be interested in a white paper or maybe an ebook. So you are uh, trying uh, to
1: say that you know, trying to somehow create a kind of, uh, I would say, the driving path from one. Yeah, one put them part on a the journey, basically. To, no, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, put them on a journey so yeah. that uh, they uh, consume your uh, content. And also, keep observing that um, the timeline of their consumption, or uh, you know, how are they actually reacting to the content? Um, pick up all those points. And eventually, you know that uh, which of these prospects are actually going to convert into a customer based on their mm. patterns, mm. right? So once that happens, now you can specifically pick those people and then pass on to your sales team. And eventually, uh, you know, um, the, the sales will start looking at marketing to be contributing to revenue. Ultimately, everything that comes out, you uh, say, instead of giving 200 leads per month, you mm. can probably give 50. But out of that 50, if 10 converts, uh, the chances of uh, you being looked up as a, a contributing marketer is much higher. So that's that's what it all boils down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we
1: definitely need to have a common understanding about uh, how actually our customer is engaging with our brand, right? So according to you, uh, the kind of clients that you have worked, right? How do you think that, you know, the other companies are placing more emphasis on behavioral analytics? Traditionally, how we have been creating a buyer persona is purely based on, either geography or let's say gender or which industry they belong to. We might have that you know certain set of people might be coming to your website, consuming your content, but then the motivations for leaving your content or not buying it could be something different, right? Yes. So how actually the companies are actually capturing this behavioral data so that you can place the analytics on top of it to create actually the customer user journey, right? So according to you, right, when we have to actually create a content, right, according to you, how much it is important that, you know, we understand journey mapping of our customer.
2: Right. So right at the beginning, uh, you know, the reason I even said that, right, different content for different persona is mm. to make sure that uh, you resonate with their purpose and their journey. Uh, mm. So, um, you know, uh, once you start doing that, um, you, you uh, and secondly, I also spoke about, uh, you know, taking people through different content uh, journeys, the sense like from a blog, make them download uh, a white paper, an ebook, or a solution comparison doc between two uh, companies and all of that. Mm. So um, one of the key things to look in this entire journey is who is consuming what kind of content. Mm. So the number one thing is to look at that. Uh, so when you start doing that, you will eventually realize the, uh, the reason I told you examples like uh, the user consumes more about how, uh, how it makes my life easy. Whereas the decision maker looks at ROI and things like that. It's It's based on personal experience. When you look at uh, what kind of content these people are consuming and mm-hmm. what is their uh, primary jobs and uh, what they have to do and what decisions they have to make and all mm-hmm. of that. So um, once that happens, then uh, you. secondly, you also have to understand uh, at what point people drop off on the page. Uh, is it because um, it's, it's taking too long to get to the point? Or uh, you know, uh, are these people having too little time? And if have we not communicated in the first five seconds or so? Is it because of that? Or was it not long enough? Uh, maybe fluffing around too much that they felt, uh, "Hey, I'm not getting any outcome through this." So um, that's something that you have to look at, and uh, then ultimately you you also look at uh, specific points like time on page, bounce rates, and things like that also as a uh, as a supporting material. So um, you know, one of the key things that I've uh, identified or I found about bounce rate is that a lot of time people tend to think that uh, if people are bouncing off a page. Uh, And Mm -hmm. if the bouncing rate is something like 90% or 100%, it's Mm. not always necessary that your content is bad or the wrong kind of people are coming in. Uh, There's a mismatch. Uh, The second thing, that's why I always say that also look at uh, your uh, time duration. Because somebody might have uh, spent five minutes on your page, but the bounce rate is uh, 100%. It's because from there, they did not move on to a proper customer journey. Uh, They just did not find anything relevant after this page and they Mm. bounced off. They closed out of your website. So um, by, by checking all these aspects, you will get to know uh, where the fall is. In a sense, our, our, once the journey is going on, at what, uh, at what stage people are falling off, at what page people are not converting, and how do I improve that? Uh, look at heat maps, uh, you know, look at certain uh, uh, metrics on the pages to where they're clicking, where they're not. Mm. Um, but then at the end of the day, it's not just that. All these things do help to an extent. You can uh, place uh, things here and there, do a bit of growth hack around this, but that is not all right. So uh, at the end of the day, it's all about, do we provide real value? So uh, you are saying
1: that it is not always also about the content, what you create, it might be value, but it is also about the kind of content experience that you provide. So according to you, right. If I have to focus on content experience, I have to understand, uh, content experience from the point of view of personalization.
2: Right. So uh, first things first, uh, you know, for all our listeners, um, content experience uh, stands for the experience that people have with your content on your website. Mm -hmm. Um, So think of uh, yourself, um, you know, as as someone who is trying to buy a product from a site like SAP or Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be hundreds and hundreds of pages. Um, And uh, in fact, you might have the need for one kind of solution and it might be extremely difficult for you to find that solution on that page, mm. uh, right? So it might be uh, hidden somewhere deep into the website in the second degree or third degree under the resources section, and it might be very difficult to find. Um, that, is, that is of one sort. The second type is that uh, you might have a lot of uh, content um, or a lot of resources such as white, uh, white paper or ebooks, um, which might be very dated. Uh, mm. It might be very old data, like say, for example, <clears throat> the the white paper that you have in your company uh, or on your website uh, might be about a product or a solution which you have sunsetted long time back. You know that doesn't. We make see this very bad.
1: often. In fact, in the bigger yeah. brands, you know, we come that we still see that two thousand seventeen content right and people have this uh, you know forgotten update. Yeah. A lot of yeah. things are basically the problem because maybe the either the content is not centralized so the people are not aware of. You know uh, what has been posted earlier and they still keep on posting the same kind of content which is updated and while we still have the older content already ready which they forgot to actually repurpose or you know update
2: yeah, yeah, exactly right. so and uh, when that happens, you know that product is no more there, but you also have that uh, content on the website that does not make sense. so uh, in in this effect, what happens is uh, when you start auditing your content on the website, you begin to understand that hey there is there is a lot of content which is not being used and at the same time there is um, you know only a small section of content that is being consumed more um so uh, there is there can be a mental bias that can be created when you analyze this and you might think that only these kind of content is working so i, I will ask the content marketers or the content creators to build more of uh, content in the pattern that is being consumed but uh, it, uh, this audit should also reveal um, that what is the intent with which people are coming in as you rightly said and who are these people and what they're looking for? Um, for instance, um, with respect to Overflip, right? So um, one of the things that I think um, that is missing on a site like Overflip is they invariably take you to uh, a content hub uh, where you have to go and uh, yeah. pick and choose the content, right? You end up going into a hub where you're still hmm. going to find out, uh, you know, you, you might have a hub of videos or hub of content from yeah. which you're trying to consume. But it is not going to suggest you as to uh, what you need at that moment. It's not catering to your intent directly. Um, So, what I'm talking about is, uh, for instance, if you could be suggested the right piece of content during the part of your journey itself. Um, Mm. uh, So, think of an example like, uh, you know, you're on the pricing page of a company. And Mm -hmm. right when you're on your pricing page, right there in the widget, if I could suggest uh, something like, uh, you know, this is how I am priced compared to your competition. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, download and check that or Mm -hmm. give you an ROI calculator saying that this is how much you can save. Or if I can give you a total cost ownership related document. So um, if if you can understand the context, uh, it need not be even, uh, you know, super ML driven, super AI driven. It could be very simple rule-based stuff based on what page, what content I show. Do Simple we have any that. tool? Do we have any tool other than uberflow uh, Yes. I mean, uh, uh, the product that, which we released uh, does exactly that. Uh, it's called mulch.ai, which is M-U-L-C-H. That's part AI. of your
1: company as of...
2: Yes. Yes. That's part of rev marketing. Yes. Hmm. So that's something that we have done. And uh, it's, it's been quite successful. And that's why, you know, we, in fact, we've seen a lot of people... Uh, um, come in from different uh, um, facets of the industry. Like we've seen e-commerce companies use it. We have seen uh, education companies use it. Um, mm. So it's it's all about anybody who has a lot of content on their website. Um, the, if you want to drive a specific experience, you go about that. But um, I don't want to keep this uh, conversation focused to uh, my product. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I mean, not the agenda here. Yeah. Uh, but but that said, um, you know, the content experience is more about how you make it contextual to somebody's journey while on your website or while on their journey. So um, the focus point here is make sure that um, you show only relevant content. Second, you make sure that you don't break their current journey. You don't want to move them away from their journey and take them to some somewhere else. So on their fly, if you can enable them, uh, you will more often than not end up accelerating their sales cycle. And then for all you know, you know, the... Journey can move from 90 days cycle to it can become 60 day cycle. Uh, So it's all about how do you empower them with the right information at the right time so that the decision making is faster in the prospects company.
1: So you were saying that do not give them something which they have already consumed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. Great. So uh, coming back to your book, right? Revenue marketing. Just give a brief idea about, you know, what this uh, book is all about. And then maybe, you know, we'll understand the context. Sure.
2: Sure. So, um, you see, uh, revenue marketing comes from the fundamental of, you know, as you rightly called out mm. in the very beginning itself, that marketers are generally looked at, uh, you know, either, uh, content creators or party planners, mm. uh, where, uh, you know, who is going to either conduct an event or produce content or conduct a webinar. That's that's uh, very traditional,
1: right? I'm now in the digital yeah, marketing yeah. doesn't work. Uh, everything yeah, is But, but even,
2: you no, know, even when digi- with digital marketing, um, yeah. it's all still happens that on one side of the company, uh. There are sales enablement people who are building Mm. case studies, who are building, uh, you know, comparison docs and things like that. And then you have a performance marketing team on one side of the company uh, who are more about uh, your AdWords, SEO and stuff like that. Mm. And then uh, you have your field marketing teams where uh, they um, conduct events, they do, uh, you know, uh, field trips, visits and things like that. You have your uh, account-based teams, which focus on uh, specific accounts, work closely with sales. So uh, it's like split in different ways. And ultimately, um, still one of the largest problems that marketing has uh, when you look at uh, the C-suite is mm. that we cannot, uh, it's still very difficult to attribute uh, the revenue contribution of marketers. Mm. So you can talk about uh, how many leads we generated. Uh, you know, we can talk about how much brand value we created and all of that. But how much did we directly contribute to revenue? It's very, very tough to map. And that's that's one thing that I've tried to uh, address. In this book. Yeah, yeah yeah. So that's one. Um, one one simple example could be um, you know if I have to give you the cost of customer acquisition, mm-hmm. right? It's so a CAC as we call it. Um, we measure it very broadly in different companies. So um, uh, for for example, uh, uh, some company can think of this is the total money that I've spent on marketing, and uh, this is the outcome, or this is the number of leads that I've got, or this is the number of customers have been able to close. Now, uh, so the money spent versus customers closed becomes your uh, customer acquisition cost. But um, it's also very important to look at this from a channel standpoint, right? Each channel, how does it contribute? Uh, So when you look at each channel-wise, then you begin to understand what is working, what is not. Hmm. Um, You might understand that, hey, content is giving me so much, Uh, CPC is giving me so much, events are giving me so much. So my company is more dependent on events. So it makes more sense for me to spend on email. So if my company is more dependent on uh, Facebook ads, it gives me more. So um, that's that's one way of looking at it. And uh, finally, it's also about um, creating some sort of a framework as to how you can tighten uh, the relationship between mar- marketing and sales, right? So one is, um, so I have a model in this book, which is called the game model, which, mm. which um, so it's a, it's a revenue model, frame, uh, revenue marketing framework. GAME stands for gather, agree, map, and execute, mm. right? So you gather the right kind of audience first, you know, and then uh, once you have a list, you also think about who is, the, who is my ICP, who am I going to target after, and how is it going to be modeled, and what are the different uh, uh, channels that I'm going to use, so on and so forth. Then you go sit with your sales team and try to agree as to, is this, what, is this the way they look at it as well? Because they are the people who are talking to your customers on a daily basis. They know what is going to convert, what is not. At one hmm. glance, you know they will know uh, whether um, this is an account uh, worth spending time or not. So once you gather that agreement, uh, then you start mapping the right accounts to the right narratives. You know, what story you tell to this company or what channels you use for this specific company, so on and so forth. And finally, it's the execution cycle as to how you meet them, how you iterate, what you analyze out of it, what's hmm. the return you take back and all of that. Now, how this overall contributes to the experience is... When you start mapping into uh, what is converting and what mm. is working, uh, more often than not, you're falling into the line of what is actually making sense to your customer, right? So you're going um, to stop fluffing around and you're going to focus on things that actually work. And um, when you see conversion, when you see this working, um, then it means that the customer more often than not has the right experience. It, it, it means that you're telling the right stories. It means mm. your, your brand is positioned well it means that you're using the right channels or at least you're spending on the right channels only and things like that. So yeah, that's that's the gist of the overall uh, thing if I could say in about under five minutes.
1: Wonderful, wonderfully, Agnesh. I, uh, I really definitely wanted to ask the role of content creation and uh, how do you think that the employer branding and the C-suite branding is more important? Um,
2: so, uh, well... Um, one of the uh, reasons i uh, you know even in the first uh, place the reason i told you that you have to empower each of your employees, employees. or make them the yeah. face of the brand is, is exactly this right so uh, it is um, say so at the end of the day people are going to build relationship with people and oh. um, uh, so so i just take a very simple example of how linkedin works right mm. so when um, you're going to post something from your company's page mm. versus Posting something on your personal account, hmm. uh, see where the reaction is going to be higher. See where the connection is going to be higher. It's going to be naturally on your uh, uh, your, your,
1: your particular profile. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So so it's because you know people know you and uh, people are going to react to what you're saying. They're going to look at you as individual and the trust is built by an individual. Um, so look at a company like Drift, right? So um, you know, as long as uh, Dave Gerard was there with Drift, um, he was one of the key faces of the company. Yeah, things and, have uh, changed.
1: You know, we see very less often the content was you know, the
2: way he was driving the things. Right? Yeah. So if you can create more faces that people or uh, people or customers can trust, hmm. that's that's what you want, right? So uh, you, uh, if I can uh, trust ten people instead of one, hmm. you're actually uh, making a lot more sense. You're actually uh, converting more, and in in a way, you know, that's the fastest way to actually build brand. Um, than spending heavily on PR. If you can get ten people empower them and uh, ask them to influence a set of audience over a period of time, hmm. that's gonna work much much faster um, people like say for example uh, I might not have originally known uh, the company that you work for, but um since I know Samit, now i uh, I know your company so I oh. think that's how things actually start, and that's how you need to empower yeah you know, there's there's no point in spending a lot of PR unless you are a huge brand and uh, your narrative and your whole messaging. Um, is extremely important to be out in the market. Unless you're a Coke or a Pepsi, unless you're an Apple or a Microsoft, mm. uh, you know, you can afford to do that. But when you are in the starting phase, when you're in the mid segment, I think uh, you need to focus on what puts food on your table. And that's where I think employer branding can go a long way in facilitating that. So thank you so much. You know, Yag,
1: you know it was really wonderful points. And in fact, you know, there were so many insights out of it, right? So, uh, before we wind up session, right, I once again would like to say just a good luck for your book and guys, you all must join this ABM conversation, which is a podcast. Um, quick out shout more out more here.
2: Uh, you know, uh, this is a quick shout out to uh, my good friend, Manish Nepal also, because, uh, uh, you know, be it uh, coffee conversations or be it... Uh, yeah, Manish. Uh, yeah. And, in fact, yeah, yes. with, without uh, without him, uh, you know, both of these are not really agree, possible. Agree, agree. So, yeah. In fact, Manish
1: also. is purely into content marketing. If you guess I'm yes, not wrong. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah guys so Yagar Manish has been doing you know I would say the commendable job right
2: ABM conversation podcast has gone like with uh, 20 episodes like uh, yes. the coming Wednesday it will be 21st
1: yeah uh, and so, it yeah, is it's been it, a pretty interesting is, journey and it is it is mostly the weekly episode i guess in case I'm not yeah sure.
2: it's it's weekly one episode we are uh, we started somewhere uh, uh, towards the end of december and we are just 21 episodes old and uh, we are very happy that uh, right now we have about uh, um, say roughly 3000 listeners every month so it mm. is growing well month on month so i would so so highly recommend stuff. right thank you thank you so much uh, yeah. for having me uh, samira it's been a pleasure and uh, i mean we have, we have like been connected for a long time but it's been a pleasure to seeing you in person i mean virtually at least we have not, so never met me each other <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so once again right thank you so much Yad. Yeah. thank uh, you so, so much have a good day
0: you've been listening to the flip my funnel podcast